What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 67 of The Locker Room, brought to you by our friends at Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers you precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, so make your testies their besties and get 20% off plus free shipping with our code LACA at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com using our code LACA. I promise you, your balls will thank you. We have an unbelievable interview today with Steve Hers, who is the president of the Monte Group, which is an agency for sports broadcasters and the author of Don't Take Yes for an Answer. Um, we got a lot more to cover in this episode. But I'll set up to the fellas to start. Cappy, Maxi. Yo, 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 yo. What is up? What is up? It's also a special shout out to Kyle Margolis, who made a special appearance on there with Steve Stevers. Good call. And another special shout out to Lindsay and Ryan Simon. I promised them I would, and I just remembered, and I'm shouting them out. So shout out to Lindsay and Ryan. Of course. Yeah, no, but everything's good up here. Um, this is like the first week I actually got back to skating like 100%. So that's good. But the boys are on a road trip right now to Rapid City. I'm hanging back. I'm um, just going to rehab a little bit more. What's up with you, Max? What are you giggling I just love the way you just said everything's good up in here. And you're, you're in Texas and we're in New York. Yeah, I always mess that shit up, though. I feel like I'm always in a different place. So up north, down south, east, west, who, who knows? But yeah, besides the fact I will be chilling, rehabbing and having a good time. How you doing, Maxi? You're in the, the flowered Hawaiian shirt. What did you do today? I drove... Two hours at 7 a.m. to Jersey for for business meeting and then drove two hours back in nonstop traffic and I am ready to go to sleep. Sounds great. Exhilarating. I know, Thanks. but I'm actually getting ready to move into the city. So I'm like, that, that's that's exciting. Moving in next next Saturday with uh, it's actually pretty cool. I'm moving in with my best friend since I was three. What's your address? Um, you know that uh, red light in the city? Yeah, by there. Good one, bro. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, we'll move on from that shitty joke. Uh, got to see our boy live you, this weekend. You thought I was going to give my address? No, I was just setting you up for a shitty joke, which worked. Because <laughs> I know you. <laughs> but, uh, dude, you guys have to see Jared Freed if you can. Whenever he performs live near you, he's dude, honestly, like we've gotten to know Jared through our podcast, but seeing him live and actually perform comedy, I was crying my eyes out. He was fucking hilarious. I'm surprised he didn't like uh, say anything like or just like make a joke about you. Like, oh, look at this fucking idiot with fucking no teeth in the stands over here. (laughs) Well, I sat far enough back where he couldn't. I don't don't think he knew where I was sitting. Had I been sitting in the front, he might have said something. But then again, no one else would have been able to see. You know? Oh, that's true. That's accurate. But um, I've been to some comedy shows where people have like interacted with the fans in the front row. Like funny story, my girlfriend's dad actually was in the front row of a comedy show on the cruise ship and was absolutely shit faced. You told but that story. Yeah. 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 No, no, to no, no, Jared. No. You told that to Jared. No, no, no. I told that to Jared, but that was I told him about like how I walked him back or how um we got the guy to dinner and stuff like that. But this is this is a totally different thing I didn't say. Oh, that at another, yeah, yeah, yeah. At another one. <laughs> the guy in the front row was ripping him apart because he fell asleep in the front row of the comedy show it was a bartender on a cruise ship yeah i know good movie (laughs) hangover uh well also for anyone who did listen to the jared freed episode he told us about how someone stuck their finger up his ass like thinking it was funny after the show my mom did that to him so that was cool (laughs) no she didn't that was no she did she legit did you did he told me yeah he told me shut the fuck up dude she she dm'd him can, like it's at the locker room's mom. Can I come stick my finger up your ass? Like she literally damned him that. And then we actually, I told her after, or it might've been Ellie's idea. Actually, someone said you should make a Instagram account 
at locker room's mom and just like like at, like basically our memes page but it'd be like no it should be, it should our be moms locker no it should be just locker room moms plural it yeah it'd be our mom's it. content like all yeah. three of our moms get together and they form their own podcast that rips on us oh see i was thinking more along the lines of like the moms that listen to our podcast can just go in there and it could be like a, a group like the locker the locker room moms all jewish like, like a jewish mom's corner yeah bridge rummy cube what rummy oh what are you talking about i'm just saying that's what they were talking about rummy cube canasta bridge no no mahjong mahjong (laughs) that's the best one love a good mahjong game i never played it before i don't even know what what is that one i've never played it oh i have no idea um (laughs) i love tiles (laughs) no i just know my grandma always plays oh my grandma always played mahjong wednesday nights or thursday whatever whatever the day was um but other than that, obviously, boys, we had the Masters. Maxi, I know you were probably rock solid all week watching that. Um, but, dude, um, what's the guy's name? Matsu, and you know, I'm not a big guy, but big golf guy, but Matsuyama. Hideki mm-hmm. Matsuyama. Dude, first Japanese golfer to win the Masters, if I'm not wrong here, Matt. No, you're good. Yeah, that's you're pretty, right. Uh, that's pretty spectacular. Yeah, that's pretty spectacular. If you, I mean, come on now. He's got to be one of the biggest uh, superstars in, in Japan, in all of Japan. The only other Japanese athlete I know, I think, is Hideki Matsui. So yeah. between those two. What about Ichiro? Is he Japanese? I believe so. He is. But I'm the biggest Mets fan on this podcast, so I don't pay attention to Ichiro or the Manners. I'm a huge Mets fan. Big win tonight in, in the eighth inning, extra innings, in the doubleheader. They're playing again right now, though, I think. I don't know what the score is. You're the biggest Mets fan on this podcast? I am. I declared it on Twitter. That's the hawk. <laughs> but yeah, do you guys? Bet? I didn't bet anything on the Masters or anything. I just, it's whatever to me. No, we did like a pool with um with the team a little bit. Um, it was pretty interesting. It was just basically just like pick your 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 finals, like who's going to be in the finals, like the final pool. Mm-hmm. I think it was like the top four, top five guys. Um, I obviously came in last. I just winged it. <laughs> guy. Uh-huh. Uh, I also came in last in the NCAA pool we had as well. So did you? off to a rough start. That's I had funny. Houston, I had Houston winning it all. Obviously, they lost in the final four, but yeah. I th- hey, that's that's good. I think I ripped on you for picking Houston to the final four. I thought they were frauds. You did, you did, but yeah. I didn't. I had. I think when it came down to the Sweet Sixteen, I had three teams that I guessed right that made the Sweet Sixteen. Two or three teams. Yeah, it's not good. No, not not out of, good. Out of sixteen. Those are, that's like that's like one one eighth. Yeah, that's not a good recipe for success. <laughs> no, which definitely not. is is why I came in last. Um, but one last congratulations to Matsuyama. Pretty spectacular again. He's but, a big fan of ours. He listens to the podcast, so congrats. Yeah, to him. we hope so. You know, I, mean, I heard he's two point five percent Jewish, but we'll fact. <laughs> Um, but dude, speaking of a sport we actually love, which is NHL and hockey, um, dude, the, uh, the trade deadline obviously happened or is going on right now currently. No, it's done. Oh, it's done. Sorry. But dude, the shit that's been going on, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty wild this year. I don't know. It's getting mixed, mixed reviews from people. I mean, I didn't think anything exciting happened besides like Taylor Hall and like maybe Nick Feligno, but, or Feligno, however you say his name. Feligno. Is it Feligno? Feligno? Yeah. Feligno? Well, there's a G in there somewhere. Feligno. It's R-O-C-K. The C is silent. Yeah. um but yeah no like eric engels tweeted out like a good friend of ours eric engels friend of the program friend of the show something about is this the most boring trade deadline in in recent years and i was like when mantha for jacob verana is the blockbuster trade yeah i think it's a little boring well there you go you just uh gave away my oyve for the week oh Uh, was that your oyve it was uh part of it yeah but but that's all right we'll lead into that uh in a little bit well that's all i got to say about it so you anything else to say <laughs> no, I, I do want to say. I mean, I know you caught up on this. I completely forgot because I am the UFC guru of the podcast. But Natan Levy, our boy, fights this weekend. 
His first UFC fight, right? His first pro yes, one. Sir. Yes, sir. So he got the um his last fight was the like his way in. He won the fight, mm-hmm. got a contract from Dana, and now this is his first fight. So we will be locked in. Dude, I'm gonna bet heavy on the top. Yeah, I will too. Like is it in, without a doubt. Is it in Jacksonville? Or is that I don't know what, the following weekend? I, I'm not sure where the card is. I have to look it up. I really have not even paid attention to it. I didn't know it was even this weekend. No offense to Natan. Yeah, no offense to Natan at all because I've been ready for this fight. You know yeah. I have. We all have been. Um, we love but, you. Yeah, yeah, we do love you, and we know you're going to kick this guy's fucking ass. But besides that, let's get into a little oy vey. Like <laughs> I said before, Johnny took mine. I wanted to give a little shout out to my boy Ryan Running, who I lived with at Ferris State. One of my good buddies over there, Jewish as well, huge friend of the podcast, um, biggest Red Wings fan I know. Like I said prior, and that trade that happened with Mantha, the, the Red Wings. I just want to give a shout out to all Red Wings fans in general because I feel like they get shit on so much as a fan base because they just haven't been good in so long. And um, dude, they caught a break here. They actually didn't get fucked. Do you like, think I they think- get? You think Red Wings fan get shit on? Oh my God, no. They didn't get shit on at all. Mantha is such an average player. No, no, I'm saying yeah. Rebbing's fans. You think Rebbing's fans get shit on? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They do. I mean, well, not, you're more Michigan like based than I. Not yeah. the fans in general, the team. And like, it's the mm-hmm. same thing with the Lions. I mean, they just don't get lucky breaks ever. Like, it's, except like that cup run that went on with Osgood and them. Like, they just don't get good breaks. They don't catch good bounces. Wait, you're saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. I got, I got, I got to stop you here. Dude, the Rebbing's went to the playoffs like 24 years in a row. I'm saying as of late. Oh, like the last like three years? Yeah, yeah, but as a fan base, as like a to- as like a whole. No, I mean they're iconic. The Panthers get shit on more than the Red Wings. Twice as or triple as much. Yeah, guaranteed. <laughs> I'm just giving. I'm okay. All in all, I'm giving the Red Wings fans some credit in like, okay due diligence. Because they did something good. They did something. No, yeah, something happened good for them this year. I mean, dude, when's the last time they made the playoffs? You can we can look it up. I think 2015. Yeah, exactly. Or 2016. So, yeah, so the last five, six years, they haven't made the playoffs. Something good's happened for them. That's a tough, yeah. But I do understand. I'm exactly on your, your your wavelength. They are one of the most, I mean, the original six, no? Yeah, I mean, dude, they had they had a pretty good run. It's like saying, like, you feel bad for Patriots fans. Exactly. Like, no one feels bad for Patriots fans. <laughs> I know, just uh, being in Michigan and stuff like that. But that is Fair. my only way. What do you got, Maxie? Well, apparently, Laz is the biggest Met fan on this podcast. <laughs> As of last week. Last week, um, but I don't know if you guys watched the Mets played a few days ago, and the forecast was rain all day. And they started the game while it was pouring, and the game lasted all of six minutes. And it it, it was just one of like, obviously it's not on the Mets or um, or the Phillies Phillies fault. No, they were playing the Marlins. It's not on the the Mets or the Marlins fault. It's just such a poor. Poor judgment to to start a game. The twins were like letting fans in, knowing the game was canceled. Didn't even tell fans it was canceled, and they're like buying concessions and like food, and there was no game. Did you see that? I played the fifth. I didn't see shit. Well, no, the the, the twins canceled the game because of the riots going on in Minnesota, right. and they were allowing fans to come in. It was like a two o'clock game, and they canceled it like an hour prior. And how do you like let people into the stadium when there's no game? Like they're sitting in the seats and like scrolling through Twitter to find out there's no game being played. Uh, I just thought that was ridiculous. Right. No, but sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off about the Mets thing. No, it it, it was it was just ridiculous. Uh, Luis Rojas, the Mets manager, said that he has like a a forecast, a weather forecast guy that said, "Oh, it it was gonna like the rain was gonna pass." Meanwhile, every single one of the weather apps 
said otherwise. So the next morning, I shook my magic eight ball to see if it was going to rain or not. <laughs> did see uh, that? Make a, yeah, I did see that <laughs> to make a joke of it. But Laz, you missed our softball game yesterday. It was pouring rain. It's not easy to pitch when it's raining. I heard you had the play of the year from you. <laughs> yeah, from me. Johnny, Johnny also had a ridiculous play. Johnny stretched a single into a home run. Are you going up against the Caruso's podcast. again or what? What? Are you going up against the Caruso's again or no? No, we went up against the Rizzo's. Both of them went yard on me. It's not wasn't, – wasn't very happy. It's nice to know that it's softball season again, though. Best time of year, man. Yeah. Men's League softball, can't beat it. It is. It is good. I can't wait to join a Men's League softball team. They put they put me in right field because I'm the scrub on the team, and I and I, and I bat tenth, not even ninth. We know this. <laughs> Everybody knows you're the morale guy. Yeah, I was pretty good in my in my first uh, first year at the team, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go into my to my OIBA this week, and uh, I'm a national champion, kind of, in a in a weird way. Here we go. Um, UMass hockey national champions. I can't lie, I was very emotional about it. It was it was awesome, like. Man, just like being a part of a team, playing for coaches, wearing a jersey, and then watching like even though I yeah I transferred, um, which was my choice. So I like I left you know for my own purposes, and um, my heart was still with that program. Always like always root for them, and to see them like lift the trophy and celebrate on campus, and to see all my friends like party with the like I feel, like I feel a part of it weirdly, but like I definitely feel like I also was a part of it. You know, I don't know if you guys saw on Twitter, UMass Dynasty tweeted first goal under Greg Carville, Johnny Lazarus. Started. I started the. Uh, I was just gonna say that, dude. Yeah. What a goal it was. What an was awesome goal it was. Best and goal of my college career was the first game. <laughs> first game you won. No, it was first game. No, no, I know, but I'm saying you. It wasn't just your first game. You were just on. You were an absolute heater to start your career at UMass. Yeah, I was. I was. Um, I do sh- shout out though our boy George Mika. Um, mm-hmm. love that Florida represent national champion. National champion. So cool. So happy for you, Johnny. But no, th- that's just that's just unreal. I'm actually happy for the NCAA, like getting through that whole tournament, especially yeah. with last year and all the shit that went down with with COVID and my season getting canceled and so many, you know, other people's getting, you know, season ending and stuff like that. And and what UMass had to deal with with the goalie situation and their best mm. player getting shut down, dude, it's nuts. It was so weird though. Like Saturday night, guys were texting me like, "Congrats!" And I was like, <laughs> "Like I played there for a year." <laughs> like I didn't. But it counts. That's what happened. I feel like I when, when the school wins a national championship and you're like. And I guess yeah. if you went there, you're technically an alumni. Like, the the whole school, like, you're a part of it. Yeah, no, I was texting with the coaches and everything and, like, former teammates. But I just thought it was really funny that a lot of people were texting me, like, saying congrats. And I was like, yeah, just like, you know, I transferred my sophomore year, but thanks. <laughs> we got to get, um, get one of them on. Somebody even uh, – is there any uh, any of your Jewish buddies on the – on The uh, the, the, equipment, the equipment manager. Shout out Josh Penn, big fan of ours. I think he actually listens to every episode from what I heard. So, Penner – National champion, congrats. We love you. And you're coming on to talk about it. Yeah. Walk us through the whole process. Yeah. Because seriously, dude, I, I can't even imagine what he had to go through throughout the whole COVID stage and stuff like that. He was probably their rock throughout yeah. the whole process. And he's been there for like, you know, close to 15, 20 years. So he saw it like when the program was at its worst to, to where it is now, which is which is unbelievable. I mean, people for people who don't know, UMass Hockey had five wins five years ago in the entire season, and now they're national champions. So it's pretty cool. Definitely. It's unbelievable. But I do want to talk about one of our sponsors, Bagel Boss. I know I talk about this all the time, guys, but they are amazing. When thinking about Long Island bagels, there's nobody else that comes to mind. They got everything you need. The best bagels, everything is my favorite. We know this, but Bialy's Bakery Delicacies, whatever you guys need, definitely follow them and definitely go look up their uh, website, bagelofthemonth.com, and please use our code LOCKA10 for 10% off. 
other than that, boys, you want to kick it over to the interview? Yeah, let's do it. This guy grew up in Hewlett, New York, and was bar mitzvahed at Temple Hillel. He is the president of the Montag Group, which is a sports and entertainment talent and marketing consultancy, and he is the author of Don't Take Yes for an Answer. We're super excited that he's joining us. Welcome to the Locker Room Podcast, Steve Hers. Steve, how you doing? And Kyle, what's up? Kyle Margulies, or Margulis, how do you say it? Margulis. Margulis. Yeah. Oh, for two. My bad, my bad, but welcome. Margulis. <laughs> uh, thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Well, first off, we got to send our condolences. We know you're a big Michigan sports fan. Tough loss for Michigan basketball. And also, we're hockey guys, so it was really sad how the uh, the Michigan hockey postseason went. We were just talking about that before with COVID and everything. Um, so, apologies. Yeah, well, I was happy to know on your last podcast where you talked with Jeff Bookaboom to find out that Michigan has three guys that are going to go in the top ten of the draft in hockey. So that, that was a little bit of a, a nice um, thing to find out. Yeah, Michigan hockey is stacked for the for the future. At least, I mean, if those guys return, who knows? But um, hopefully, they do come back to school because college hockey needs that. So, um, what's your favorite Michigan sports team? Football, basketball? Well, I'd say now it's the basketball team, given uh, you know what we've had. But I, I, you know, football is still the ten ton gorilla of Michigan sports. I, I like all the sports. I mean, I follow the, the women's softball team when, when they're good. I watched women's basketball against Baylor this year in the in the, uh, in, the in the I guess it was the Sweet Sixteen. Obviously, yeah. So I, I like it all. Steve. Although I did have one conflict this past about two years ago, I went to Vanderbilt Law School and it was Michigan against Vanderbilt in the NCAA baseball finals. So was, I felt conflicted there, but I rooted for the Maize and Blue. Yeah, so in, in twenty, it had to be when I was like twelve years old. I actually stayed on the Vanderbilt campus uh, for like it was a hockey tournament. It was like Southeast District Camp or something like that. Spent a weekend at Vanderbilt University. So it's like a an old school, like very like old, old walls. I don't know how to, how to basically explain it. It was, it was a great experience. Yeah. It's a great place to both great schools. And then we've also, we've had so many Michigan, not so many, but we've had a few Michigan people on the podcast and they've all taught, like had such like high things to say about Michigan. I guess, what could you say about like the culture and, and how'd you really like, I guess, fall in love with sports. I mean, I'm sure it was like beforehand before you got to Michigan, but then obviously such a huge sports school that you're basically around it all the time. Yeah. Well, for me, I'm, I'm the youngest of three boys. And then I have a younger sister, but I was the third of three boys. And I had two older brothers that were huge sports fans. And frankly, they both went to Michigan. So when I was applying to college in 1983, I guess it would have been, I graduated high school in 84. I, I had these two older brothers at Michigan. So I'd gone with my dad to visit school several times. Saw Anthony Carter play and went to the, it, I don't even think it was called the big house back then. And so it was the only school I applied to, the only school I got into, and the only school I went to. And it was just, I loved Michigan and it was, it was just in my blood and I loved sports. And I was a sports editor of my high school newspaper and wrote for the local paper down there as well in sports. And when I got to Michigan, I worked for the Michigan daily uh, and then was part, I worked for the athletic department. So it was just, you know, typical Jewish kid from Long Island who wasn't good enough at sports, unlike you guys were, <laughs> and um, figured this was the next best thing. And, you know, it, it, I never looked back. It was a great decision. 
It is so true, though. I don't know, like, any other school or, like, alumni. I guess, Kyle, you're a Wisconsin guy, but, but Michigan people are just, like, they, they bleed maize and blue, you know? Like, like everyone who ever went to Michigan is just a diehard fan for the rest of their life. I don't know if that sticks for all the other schools. Yeah, I don't, I don't think other schools are like that. I guess they are. You probably just wouldn't know it if you didn't go there. But I think Michigan people have this, this combination of pride because Michigan is a good school. But let's be honest, it's not Harvard, and it's not, you know – an Ivy league school. So there's just this tiny little chip on their shoulder that Michigan people have also about the academics. Cause we all think we're smart enough to have gotten into Cornell, but didn't, <laughs> or, 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 or in my case, didn't apply. And, um, and so you, you do, you do have that pride slash chip on the shoulder thing going at the same time. Were you there around the same time as Adam Schefter? He's a, he's a former guest of ours. Adam was um, a year behind me. We worked on the daily together I probably shouldn't say this publicly, but I, I was his agent uh, when he okay. first got out of um, got when he was working for the Denver Post. And what a great agent I am. I told Adam, <laughs> I said, I said, Adam, we've tried. I tried to get you a job in TV. I don't think it's going to happen for you. I think you should stick to the print career. And, uh, <laughs> and, and that was probably the worst decision I ever made in my career. But we've stayed really good friends. And he, he's a great guy, really. One of the truly best people you'll ever meet. You put the chip on his shoulder. Adam has a fantastic work ethic. I mean, I think he's really inspired by his grandfather. I don't know if he talked about it on the podcast, but he's, he's, he's a very hardworking guy. And I think he works just as hard today as he ever did in his whole life. I, I don't want to play the, the Jewish geography game too much, but then you must know David Simon, who's a good friend of mine also. Uh, one of my oldest and closest friends. We went to summer camp together. I've known him since 1975. And I talked to him either on email, Facebook, texting, and he's great. He's been a real supporter and fan of my book. I love David Simon. One of the mm. best guys. Agreed. I'm, I'm pretty interested as like an agent in your position, like what are like a couple of the things, like, I guess like the factors you look for when you're, I guess not scouting these, these other people, but like a guy like Adam Schefter, I mean, so what was like some things that stick out to you when you're trying to represent these guys or when you're getting ready? To- I think, I think you, you, you look obviously for a certain level of talent and look, I, I, I missed on Adam because I didn't see the way the business was going. That was my mistake. You know, back then it wasn't that easy for a print guy to move. This was pre NFL network, pre, you know, ESPN two, even, you know, we're talking about over 20 years ago when we worked together. And, but I think, you know, today you, you look for uh, a good voice, you look for someone who can write well, look for creativity, someone who understands how to tell a story and can keep an audience captivated. You also, I think over time, what I've also looked for is character. Character is probably the most important thing. And when I mean character, I mean work ethic, humility, uh, interest in getting better at what you do, wanting to learn, wanting to grow. Uh, because anybody can plateau in their life in anything. And if you think you know everything, this is one of my favorite lines. I think I made it up myself. Maybe I didn't. <laughs> if, you, if you think you know everything, then you do. <laughs> I actually, it's, it's funny you, you mentioned all those things about character because we had you on the podcast because this is our tryout. We're hoping that you sign us after this. <laughs> well, I, I might. I, I, I love the name. I, mean, I don't know if you derived your name from Latka Gravis from Taxi or just the, the basic Passover, uh, not Passover. But do we eat latkes in Passover? My wife will kill me. You better edit that out. <laughs> I'm, married to a, I'm married to an Orthodox Jew and my kids go to Jewish day school. So I cannot afford to make that kind of mistake publicly. Okay. Well, that'll be off the record. We'll cut it for you. We don't want, <laughs> we don't want to cause any fights in the, in the house. Thank you. <laughs> but uh, I know you that, that you do a lot of volunteer work, especially um, serving on the local leadership for Birthright. Can you talk about how you got into that and just what it means to you to, you know, give back to the community? 
Yeah, I, I really, like I said, you know, when I, when I first got married 15 years ago, I, I wasn't really very involved in the Jewish community. I really didn't that, have that much of a connection to it. And, and kind of a funny story, I got set up on a blind date with my wife and the, um, the guy who set us up told me she wasn't Jewish. Her last name is Smith. And we, we got to the date. And she told me she was Orthodox. And I thought, are you Greek Orthodox? Are you Russian Orthodox? I, I didn't understand. And, and she didn't know the guy was playing a joke on me and her. She said, well, I'm an Orthodox Jew. I keep kosher. And I said, are you kidding? And so that was kind of my introduction to that. And I, and I, I really hadn't, I'd been to Israel once, but didn't really have any connection to it. And she has a lot of family there. And learning about birthright was really interesting because I think that Israel gets a bad rap in, in, in the media and in, in, in the public. And, and most of the people who have bad things to say about Israel have never been there. And so birthright, I think, really doesn't try to indoctrinate anyone into loving Israel. They just say, why don't you go there and see how you like it for yourself? Just, just kind of get exposed to it. And, and that's what I loved about it. And, and since that, I've now gotten involved with something called Birthright Excel, which is kind of a leadership program within Birthright, where they take a select group of kids and they send them on a free uh, internship to Israel to work in the tech sec sector oh, wow. for like eight weeks. And I've been coaching and mentoring a lot of those kids, which has been really enriching. So I'm not, I don't even feel like I'm giving back. I, I feel like I'm getting more from it than, than they are. Just uh -huh. getting to meet these tremendous kids. That is very cool. And you'd be happy to know that our producer, Maxi, I actually met on Birthright. So this podcast, you know, maybe wouldn't have formed without Birthright. Who knows? There you go. That's that's very cool. And it is funny to hear that you met your wife on a blind date because blind dates don't even exist anymore. I mean, everyone, you know, if, I, if I'm getting set up with someone, I'm looking at their LinkedIn, their Instagram, Twitter. Every, I know the person before I even get to the date. No, there was no there was no J date back then. That's true. That's true. Yeah, you're right. So uh, I didn't know what she looked like or anything like that. But I did. I, I will say this. I fell in love with my wife's voice when we met before we met. I think we both liked each other's voices. And that, that's I should say that before you ask the question about how do you identify talent uh, to me, voice is very important. In, in my book, I wrote that I, I, I didn't make this line up, but I quoted someone else. Your voice is your second face. It's the second most important impression you make on people. What's the uh, what's do you, do you watch The Office? I've seen it, but I, I admit I'm not uh, up on it as much as I should. There's an office quote. I think Michael Scott says, like, it was when I first heard her voice. It was love at first see with my ears. <laughs> so oh, there you go. I should, so I should use that. That'll be in the next book. There you go. <laughs> but I, I guess speaking of your book, I mean, I haven't had a chance to personally read it myself, but it's called Don't Take Yes for an Answer, which is interesting because everyone obviously tells you don't take no for an answer. But we're both athletes and we've had that, you know, criticism kind of feedback i feel like towards our entire life because as an athlete you i mean coaches can't really bullshit you if you suck you suck and they tell you so i mean how how important is it i mean for you not necessarily describe the entire book to us but you know the last the main lesson of the book well there's two main lessons in the book the first lesson you just put your finger on which is the title don't take yes for an answer and i think it's interesting that you guys are athletes because I think athletes and musicians are like the only two groups of people that don't fall victim to this. Don't take yes for an answer mentality because they've been around people that wouldn't bullshit them to, to use your words. And it's true because there's a certain objective measure. If you want to play sports, like if you want to play goalie, there's a certain way to stop a shot. There's a certain way not to let rebounds. There's a certain way to kill off a power play. There's a lot of granularity to it, and it's either effective or it's not effective. And you have a batting average, so to speak, in sports. There's, there's a lot of metrics around it. And 
in life, unfortunately, in, in the business world, it's not like you go home at night from your job after eight hours and somebody says, well, you went one for three today with an RBI or, you know, you went 0 for four. It's, it's, it's just not as easy to create metrics around it. But so that's why I think you have to try to do that. And I think, unfortunately, in, in life today, and I think it's gotten worse even since my book was written only less than a year ago, HR and, and companies, they just don't want to have any confrontational conversations with people or they're even going to be perceived confrontational for a lot of political reasons and, and legal reasons. And I think the, the, the person that falls is, is the unwitting victim of all this is the individual who does go home from work every day with an 0 for 4 or 1 for 5 and thinks they're going home with a 400 average when they're batting 200. And then in the end, they don't get promoted or they as I say in my book, nobody gets fired anymore. People get downsized or reorged, whatever, or, or you don't get the job and no one tells you why. And, and, and like, take a guy like you, you know, Johnny, you, you would be more than happy because you played sports at a competitive level. Just tell me, tell me what I could do better. I can take it. I, what I can't take is not knowing. And my book is really trying to tell people, stop, put your ego aside. You'd much rather be offended for the moment if you would be offended by somebody telling you not that great at something you could improve upon it rather than have your life and your career plateau year after year after year so that's message one and i just quickly jump into message two real quick which is that if you're doing everything else right and you're working hard and you have what i call in the book this aggressive humility about yourself then how are you communicating because ultimately the rest of your life can be commoditized you can all go to good schools you can all do the job well enough but you can't uh, commoditize trust or likability. And my book is about this thing called AWE, A-W-E, Authority, Warmth, Energy. And that's really just distilling the soft skills. And do people like you? Do they want to be around you? Do they trust you? I'll stop there. No, you're, you're good. But going back to message one, it's actually in, it's a very interesting point because especially with our generation who grew up with the phones, a lot of our confrontational conversation came over text and not face-to-face. So I feel like in that scenario, it's only going to get worse. I agree with you. And, I, and what I'm trying to do in this book is actually trying to change the paradigm for you, the reader. Mm-hmm. I, I'm making the, the, the challenge for the reader to say, I want to change my own mindset. I don't care if the world doesn't give me feedback. That's fine. That's the way it works for everybody else. I'm not going to tolerate that anymore. I'm going to go to my boss and I'm going to say, how am I doing? And I don't want to hear that I'm doing well. Give me three things I can improve upon. Because think about it in hockey, right? You guys both played competitive hockey at a very high level. You, you, you would never have a coach say to you, you know what, Justin, you're great at everything. No, that's impossible. You're not great at everything. Nobody's great at everything. I wrote a book on communication and I'm not great at everything relevant to communication. So everybody can improve on everything all the time. That's another uh, sad quote that I've heard. I forgot where I heard it from, but someone said like, just because you're passionate about something doesn't mean you can't suck at it. Like that was like, that was so sad, you know, <laughs> or you can't improve upon it. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny's our you know, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story that I think will be illustra- illustrative of, of all this in terms of changing the paradigm and changing the mindset. So Kyle knows we, we work with another guy in the office named Reed Pakula and Reed's been with us for about four years now. And when he first joined the company about four years ago, he started as a, you know, kind of a glorified intern. And then he was promoted to junior agent and we had a deal with him that he would get promoted within, I think it was like six months, what have you. And he came to me after a couple months and he said, how am I doing? And I said, Reed, you're doing great. Everybody likes you. You have a great attitude. You do anything that's asked of you. You're really doing great. You're on your way. You're going to be promoted. All good. 
and he, he, he shocked me. He, he looked me in the eye and he goes, I don't want to hear that from you. I know the book you're reading, you're writing. I know your mindset. Don't, don't, don't insult me by telling me what I'm doing well. Tell me what I could do better. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, 22-year-old kid, you know, in my face, he's really embraced the principles of this book already. And I said, all right, Reed, here's what you need to do better. And I said, you say the word like way too much. You, you, you sound less intelligent and authoritative in my parlance, uh, authority. You, you don't sound like you have as much authority as you could. He said, all right, fine. Thank you. And through a whole series of things, he worked on it. And to his credit, four years later, I don't think he said the word like once in, in all that time. We definitely face that problem too, Cap. We, I feel like we say like a lot. Yeah, we tend to, but it's funny you mentioned that because I've been around and I'm not going to name names specifically, but I've been around so many coaches where kids are so tentative. Is that, is that the word tentative to um, just like walk yeah. into their office and just have a conversation with them in general. And it's just crazy because like me, I'm so just like a personal kid. If I see, if I know something's wrong, I need to understand what's wrong and what I'm like, like right away, or else I'm going to be thinking about it the next, you know, couple of weeks. So it's just pretty right. And, and look, what you did, this is exactly what I'm trying to do in my book is change the dynamic. You are the person. We are the ones, all of us sitting here, the four of us, we're the ones that need to improve. Everybody on earth needs to improve, right? So if you just refuse to take yes for an answer from people and you're demanding this kind of a dialogue and a dynamic between you and people you respect that you can get good feedback from, now you're not making the person giving the feedback worried about offending you or creating a hostile environment because you're saying to them, just tell me, I want to know what I can do better. And Reed in showing that vulnerability and showing that coachability, he changed the entire dynamic of our relationship to this day. In the book, do you talk about how parents call teachers or would you recommend students going out to a teacher themselves? Cause I feel like that's a very <laughs> common thing. Well, no, it's, it's a common thing for like, you know, if I came home with a 65 on my math test, my mom's giving my teacher an earful. What the fuck did my son do wrong? It's got to depend on what age you are at that point. This is when I was a senior in high school. No, I'm, I'm I mean, we're, 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 kind of the op- we're kind of the opposite. I think my wife and I are both pretty old school. And, um, y- you know, my daughter, this seems to be typical of a lot of people. Uh, I have a, a, a girl and a boy and my, my daughter is very diligent. And, and my son is a little bit of a, he's a, could be a little bit of a slacker at 12. <laughs> and so we know if he doesn't get a good grade that he's the one, uh, you know, so we're, we're not, compl- we, we actually complain that the school is too easy on them. Oh, that's an interesting point. I mean, one of one of the one of the things in my book I talk about is grade inflation, mm-hmm. which is a problem because you can't really tell the good from the great anymore if everybody's getting A's. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. I, I mean, I'll take it, but <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny. But Steve, in another scenario, I know you're a big believer in ABC, always be connected. Um, I guess in today's generation, what would you say is more important? to obtain like an ideal job, a good education, or I guess the connections and the relationships you make? Because I've heard both sides, to be honest. Well, you're asking a question that presents a false choice, if I may uh, challenge you on that. No, no, please. I, I don't, yeah, I, I don't think it's an either or. I think you can get a good education and be connected. And I think that uh, you, you, you have to, in my view, there are certain markers in life, you know, for certain jobs where you want to get to a good college and you want to graduate with a decent GPA. Um, and certainly if you want to go to law school, you have to take the LSAT. So you got to get a good enough score to get into a decent school and MCAT, GMAT, et cetera, like that. But I, I think if you can, you know, do well enough in school, I would say just do well enough. You know, if you, if you go to a good enough school and do well enough, there's a point of diminishing returns at that point. 
Like, I don't think it matters to go to Harvard and get a 4.0 if you want to be in our business or in a sales business versus going to Ferris State and getting a 3.4. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think it's, it's if, if you have a fantastic personality and you have this ability to connect with people and to create these really lasting relationships and make people trust you and like you, and you have this, all the dynamics that I talk about in my book, a 3-4 out of Ferris State is going to help get you further in many fields than the 4-0 out of Harvard. Did you look up my academics before the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I cheated a little bit. <laughs> well, I was, I was going to say, though, in that, in that regard, if you're hiring, let's say, for the Monte Group and a Michigan alum applies and a Ferris State alum applies, I feel like you're going to give the advantage a little bit to the Michigan alum, no? I won't, actually. I won't. I, I'm going to give the advantage to the person that I think is going to be able to create relationships, develop them, retain them. And also, I think the person that shows a passion and a dedication for the field. I mean, look, we are working in a very niche business. Kyle's been with us for almost a year now, and he knows uh, if you don't have a real passion for media and really, it sounds crazy. People ask me, what, what's the number one criteria to be good at your job? You got to really love watching TV. You know, it's kind of a funny mm -hmm. thing. <laughs> and you, have to, you, have to, you have to love watching it in a certain way and to be able to analyze talent and see. It's like you guys, you, you know, we're talking, I hate to go back to Jeff Pukaboom again, but <laughs> if, if, if you look at what his job is, he's looking at uh, an 18 year old kid playing junior hockey at the, in the AHL or whatever it is. And he's got to have a vision or 16 year old and say, well, that kid could be the next Pat LaFontaine or he could be the next Brian Leach because you can't see it. It's not a fully formed thing. So if we see someone who is a 23 year old sportscaster in um, in Tacoma, Washington, we got to be able to see, could that guy be the next Scott Van Pelt? And you got to be right more often than not to be good at this job if you're placing your bets on those 23 year olds. It's yeah. funny that you dropped Pat LaFontaine. Cappy and I both played for his brother, John, and with Pat's son, Daniel, which is cool. Oh, wow. Um, but Great I can also could tell you're not a, a huge hockey guy because the AHL is not junior hockey. I'm just going to call you out on that. No, no, no. I, I, I didn't say. I, I was just – Book of Boom mentioned the AHL on mm -hmm. the podcast. Though. I'm just keeping you accountable. It's part of the book. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate <laughs> that. But um, well, I'm that? a Ranger fan, by the way. I hate to admit it. A Long Island kid who was a Ranger fan. Us too. So it's all good. But um, well, sp go. speaking of your clients and the talent that you scout, I feel like something that's become very popular is the hot mics. Or does that scare you as an agent of broadcasters, like that they could you know, say something accidentally on air? How would an Not agent really. handle that? Well, I, I think we've been, we've been lucky. And it's just kind of also endemic to who we are is that we, we've been very fortunate over the last few years that even in the rise of all this controversy with social media, None of our clients have written anything or, or said anything that has gotten any of them in trouble. I, I think we tend to represent a much more conservative, and I'm not talking about politically conservative, just you know, characteristically conservative person who's not as interested in, in, in kind of that mentality. So I don't think they, look, maybe somebody will say something, but our clients are pretty genteel for the, for the most part. Mm -hmm. We're big Liam McHugh fans, so shout out to him. He's great. Long Island guy also. Island is he? Where's he from? Yeah, he, 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 he's from Herrick's High School. I didn't know that. Albertson. Huh. What a small one. You should have him on the podcast. Jewish too? He's like an honorary Jew at this point. He's been around me so long. So <laughs> we'll take it. He, yeah, we'll count it. That counts. <laughs> he's been to a lot of bar mitzvahs. There, that, there we go. Perfect. There you go. But uh, we do have usually questions from listeners. This one's not necessarily a question. I don't know if you know him personally, but a dear friend of ours, Jake Asman. 
just wants to say, Steve, you're a great guy and I love your book. So do you, do you know Jake at all? I, I met him in the, uh, in, in writing the book and was on his, uh, was on his radio show. He's a, he's a great guy too. That's one of the great things about writing a book. I'll tell you, it, it's, you, you'd be shocked at the kinds of people you meet. It's, it's just, uh, it's really fascinating. Like I wouldn't have met you guys, for example. Yeah. No, well, we would have had you on regardless without the book, I think. Yeah. You, you I want to tell you one thing, Johnny, I, that, that we have in common that, that I, I, I don't, I have a picture of it. If I could find it is that my teeth uh-huh. are all, are all fake. That's uh that's the one thing I talk about on this podcast earlier episodes that you haven't heard. The worst thing about this, no, no offense, but everyone tells me their teeth story now, you know? Oh, sorry. Okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> you're, you're totally good. But I'm actually, uh, I got surgery yesterday, so I got screws put in, as you can see. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. It looked good. Yeah. It looked so good. I, uh, I, will, I will say this. I, I got hit in the face playing racquetball in, in law school and, and maybe my greatest athletic moment of my life. It was, uh, it was, it was 20 to 19 and the guy's racket came out of his hand, hit me, broke my teeth right across the front, four front teeth. And he was so upset. And I, I wasn't in any pain. He just cut the teeth in half. I took the teeth, put them in my pocket and we kept playing and I won. <laughs> And um, oh, no, they got fixed. And then, and then during COVID, during COVID, I, I bit into uh, a, a, an ear of corn out on Long Island here where I am. And my, my teeth fell out and I was going oh, on this, on this uh, Instagram live and I couldn't find a dentist. All the, this was May of last year. All the dentists were closed. Mm-hmm. And I, I finally got this one dentist on the phone in Patchogue and his name is Dr. Richard Richter. He deserves all the good PR. And he, I said, <laughs> Dr. Richter, I wrote this book. I'm going to be on this podcast with Brandon Steiner, uh, this Instagram. And he opened up his office. He got his wife to come in and his son to do suction. And he built me a 3D model teeth. And so these are all printed from a 3D printer. No way. They look, they look great. Yeah, they do look great. Thank That's you. crazy. Yeah. So anyone needs a great dentist, Dr. Richard Richter and Patchogue. I think you could have pulled it off, though, the look with the, the no teeth. <laughs> My kids wouldn't have handled that. No. <laughs> unique. I always tell Johnny, it's the best conversation starter. You ever put your teeth back in, then you got to, ex- like, if unless you could tell that they're fake, you know, but 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 I don't know. I, I love them. I love them without it. Everyone seems to be upset that I'm fixing them. But then again, every job interview I go into or anything that I do where I'm meeting someone new, it's always just like, it's a good conversation starter. But, oh, you still play It's not a good conversation ender, probably. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I, I just feel so weird, like... I don't play hockey anymore. You know, it's like, no, nah, I just have no teeth now. You know, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Um, but back to kind of the Monte group a little bit. And I know you've talked about character that you look for in the broadcasters, but when it comes to hiring, like we just talked about job interviews, um, you know, I'm sure there's thousands of kids who watch entourage that want to become agents. You know, that's movies, TV, whatever you want to call it, but an agent's an agent, no matter who you're representing. So what kind of, you know, characteristics do you look for in people that you're hiring? I think you, you look for somebody that is, I think in our business, you have to be a self-starter. You, you really do. It, this is not a, it's not a nine to five job by any means. And, it, and it's not a job that, I mean, Kyle will tell you, you, you don't come in every day and you have 10 tasks to do. No one's assigning you things to do. If you're going to be successful at this job, you have to really be able to self-start and come up with things to do, come up with your own ideas source new clients, source new relationships, cultivate and develop those relationships. And that takes a very unique type of person. A lot of people, it goes back to the whole idea of the three, four out of Ferris State versus the four out of Harvard. The kid that got the four out of Harvard, he might be great at doing everything that's assigned to him. 
right? That's amazing. And that's a certain skill in, in and of its own and a, and a great discipline. But we look for the person that's going to do all the assignments that are not assigned to you and even figure out what the assignment is. And so that's that takes a, a, a unique kind of person, especially at 23. And so that's the number one thing. And then the second thing is I, I look for work ethic, but not the kind of work ethic that you think about. This is not a, a, a quantitative uh, job where the guy that does the most cold calls wins or the guy that does the most spreadsheets wins. It's, it's the person who can both do the qualitative and the quantitative and, and more of the qualitative. And by that, I mean, is if you make the 10 phone calls, are you developing eight relationships? Because if you're making 10 phone calls, and you're only developing one relationship then you don't have the sales skills and you don't have, you haven't figured it out. And so you got to find that person that understands that the results matter. And if you don't have the right personality and process to put it in place, you're not going to succeed. I mean, that's why Kyle's here, right? Yeah. I'll give Kyle a lot of credit. He's very persistent and he did figure out he's, he's come to us with a lot of creative ideas. You know, just even this TVIs, we, we didn't used to know how to, we would be going crazy with TiVo. And now we have, we have access to every single person on TV all over the world, pretty much. Credit to Kyle. Kyle created a relationship with us, got us you. Now we're all friends. There you go. What's up, Kyle? I said I'll that. Well, it's it's funny. So I don't know if you know the backstory, but Kyle emailed me and I like replied, Oh, it sounds like a really cool company. I want to look into it. And then like Kyle replied with, Oh, I'm actually from Jericho, went to Wisconsin, Starlight. I was like, Oh my God, we know the exact same people. It was just like funny how that all happened. Um There you go. There you go. Jewish geography yeah. at its best. What cap? I'm pretty, I'm interested. So I know we were talking before the podcast started and you listened to the Jeff podcast, which thank you again, or the Jeff episode, I should say. Um, and in that we talked about athletes that have transitioned into broadcasting or into uh, movies, I should say. But like looking back on like some like amazing movies, specifically sports movies, there's been a lot of broadcasters who have transitioned into movies as well and played like similar roles. So I was going to ask you, do you have any favorites? I mean, I can name mine. Mine's Chris Berman in The Longest Yard. That was pretty good. I, I was involved in a couple. I, back when I worked for another agency, I got uh, Vern Lundquist into Happy Gilmore. And that, that was a pretty good one. Classic. So I thought he Who was the great. hell is and Happy I, Gilmore? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And then uh, I, I got um, Al Troutwig into Cool Runnings, which you may or may not remember that no one. No way. What a classic. Yeah, Bob that's Stokes a really too. good yeah. one. Are you kidding me? That's I an under-the-radar one. That. that is so under-the-radar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was like one of the first deals I ever did in the business getting out of law school. And um, yeah, look, it's 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 great. I mean, there's, there's this complete, incredible love affair between athletes wanting to be movie stars, movie stars wanting to be athletes. I, I just finished a great book, uh, Billy Crystal's biography. He talks about like really probably one of his first breaks was he, he did this imitation of Muhammad Ali and he ended up. Dick Shap hired him before he was anything, Billy Crystal. He was nobody. And he, he did this Muhammad Ali roast. And uh, I think it was 1974 or something. And he, he uh, Ali fell in love with him that night and said, you're my little brother. And they had this lifelong friendship. And it really gave Billy Crystal a lot of credibility from there on in. I can't get over the Al Trawick thing. I like I love that movie. I can't get over that. I it's forgot so that he was in that. And you know what I'm thinking too? Uh, before we go ahead is like I'm th- remembering all these athletes that have transitioned. And now, of course, before we made the list. But dude, Mike Tyson in The Hangover is one of my favorites. Yeah, that's. Oh, a good I mean that too. that that's actually a great movie role. I mean, uh, with no. I mean, look, think about it. Like 
that required some acting chops. Ooh, I just thought of mine. Mike Dicka and kicking and screaming. You kidding me? <laughs> yeah, that's that's the best. I got punched in the face by Mike Dicka. Did not I wobbled a bit, but I did not go down. Uh well actually that brings us to the next uh topic that we got. We've had so many amazing broadcasters on our show, which has been like an incredible honor. But who are some of your favorites? I guess growing up unbiasedly, can you tell us? You know, you don't have to name your agents here. Um, you no, know, your favorite, your favorite broadcasters growing up and, and who you enjoy listening to now. Well, as a kid, you know, I, I always liked Al Michaels. I just thought it was something really cool about him. And my dad grew up in Hempstead, Long Island, and Al Michaels was originally from Hempstead. So I always found some kind of kinship with him. And then later on, when I first got into the agency business, he was a client and dealt with him. And I, I hadn't talked to Al Michaels in 25 years. And he wrote me the nicest note. He heard that I was talking about him on a podcast and heard about the book and wrote me a really nice note. I don't even know how he got my email. And so <laughs> it was just really, really nice to reconnect with him. Chris Berman was a client early on in my career. And, um, you know, so these guys, like I remember in college, we were all, again, you guys are too young to remember this, but he, he, he was always giving nicknames to players and they told him not to do it. And Whitey Herzog was the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals at the time, the White Rat. And he, they, he made a, no one called him anything but Whitey, but when they told him not to give nicknames to everybody, he started calling him Darrell Herzog because that was his real name. And I just thought that was very creative. And so, yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I can't help it. I, I love my own clients because I, I just have a relationship with them, whether it's Liam, we talked about earlier, Greg Amsinger, who shout out to him. He flew with his wife to Israel uh, last August 2019 to be in Jerusalem for my daughter's bat mitzvah, wow. which that's, that's a lot of kavod right there for Greg and, and Erica. <laughs> and um, Dan Shulman, who's like a brother to me, Dave Rebson, another guy, Brian Anderson. These guys are like family. I've, I've represented these guys for 25 plus years. It's bizarre, but they're some of my best friends in the world that are also clients. And I, I can't separate their job. I, I can't look at them and not think they're great because mm -hmm. I know the type of people they are. You got you got to get some of your clients to the uh, 2022 Maccabee Games in Israel so there can be a American broadcast. That would be great. Dan was uh, was on the Canadian basketball team. You should have him on as well. We'll set it up. Yeah, let's. Uh, Kyle, put us in an intro email. My uh, my people will contact your people. Sounds good. <laughs> I I am Steve's people. So we and we're we're our own people. Have <laughs> you ever walking down the street or just like in general having a conversation like or at dinner and just like thinking just like man this guy's got a great voice for for, for uh television all the time yeah all I, the time drives my drives my wife crazy or <laughs> I'm, I'm my brother who kyle knows who's our company lawyer too i i've gotten him so into awe that he can't you know go listen to a speaker or do anything without saying oh that guy lacked energy or what that person needs a voice work or horrible authority you know, most of my friends now are talking in this parlance. I'm, I only hope that you guys do it also. And you have the guests on. <laughs> actually, oh, I said actually. Actually, very interesting, though. I didn't even plan on bringing this up till just now. It kind of like clicked in my head. But I was an assistant for Bob Menry for a couple months. If you know Bob, he's the voice of Buffalo Wild Wings. Does a couple like funny sports comedian stuff. Um, okay. But he, his dream is to have a rated R sports network. Do you think that would ever happen? Like would your class like? I mean, think about it. It's so funny if you hear like a natural broadcasting voice, like, like telling LeBron he's an asshole or something like on the broadcast or just not having to worry about, or just, or just not having to worry about not cursing on. Yeah. On, 
on there. Yeah, I think we have that now. It's called Barstool Sports. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> They're doing a hell of a job with it. That is yes, true. They are. Shout out Jake Marsh. Yeah. Uh, look, I, 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 I don't know. I, I think it's, um, it's fun. I mean, listen, you, you guys are, 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 in my view, you're living through the first inning of the new reality in media. You know, guys like you, have you planted your flag with your podcast and God willing, you'll be media stars in five or 10 years and you'll be kind of the early settlers. I mean, I, I you, you know, people look at the podcast world and they say, oh, well, everybody's in it. But I don't know. I think there's going to be a shakeout at some point and there are going to be a lot of winners. And, you know, the early people that got into cable TV in 1970, those are the ones that succeeded. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. Well, you know, I, I love the name. It's uh, <laughs> my my brother-in-law. Oh, sorry. What were you saying? No, I say I see all kinds of brand extensions for you with uh, different. Uh, you know, the next thing you guys can do the Kiddish Cup. You know, uh, and all kinds of other podcasts with this. Well, please we're have to collab. Yeah, we're gonna have to collab. Please send send all your uh, your notes and your thoughts on uh, on the locker room, please. Because we'll I mean, one thing I had an idea is that you guys could do. Um, for all the, the Jewish athletes or even any athlete who dies, you guys could have a yard site, um, you know, podcast. Are you pitching us right now? Are we like the, the sharks? I am pitching. Yeah. <laughs> this is free. This, I don't want any money out of this. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Steve, it's time for uh, one of our lovely segments. We like to call the matzo ball minute questions. I'm sure you know, and we'll just get right into it. So what is your number one life hack? Well, I, I stole this from my friend, Dr. Michael Levine, who's in my book work. Smarter, not harder. Don't think about grinding as much as grinding smartly. Okay. Can you give us an example? I think it's like, for example, figuring out pattern recognition. So for example, if I watch someone, when I first got in the business and I watched someone's tape, you know, potential client, I would watch all 10 minutes of it. Now I form my judgment in a minute and I can watch 10 tapes in 10 minutes. So I'm much more effective and efficient with my time. And if I find somebody that I know I'm not interested in, not going to, not going to waste time with that person. I think a lot of people don't know how to prioritize. Effective and efficient. That's what I learned in my, uh, what class was that in college? Management, I think. I don't know. Whatever. We'll scratch that. I do feel like, (laughs) I do feel like it's different a little bit, like in, in a sense of like my standpoint as an athlete, like, I mean, I've been grinding since I was 15 years old in different junior leagues and stuff like that in order to, you know, get where I am today kind of thing. But not necessarily was grinding smartly. You know, I could have maybe played in better leagues or chose, you know, a different team to start off with. But all in all, I feel like everything, you know, works out for a reason. I agree. I agree. Look, I think you can learn. Sometimes you learn things that are really effective in your career, in your life. Like just to give you an example, like a life hack would be, I read this book called Influence years ago. It's a classic book, Robert C. Aldini. And um, because of that book, we totally changed the contracts that we have with our clients. We now have a one-page contract with our clients. And so it's just, it, it made it so much simpler. If, if you want to sign with us, you're, it's a glorified handshake as opposed to what it used to be a 10-page contract. It would take you months to get someone to want to sign with you because they had lawyers and business advisors. Now it's like, okay, we want to be in business. And it's, it's much simpler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so what's your favorite moment as a sports fan? You know, I said this to someone else. I, I, this is going to sound pathetic because I'm a Met fan, but... <laughs> It's it's the Andy Chavez catch. That's not pathetic. That's like a well, I, I guess they lost because well, so. they lost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was there at Shea Stadium that night, and I, I would say it was the happiest sports moment of my entire life. That 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 fifteen minutes until Molina then 
destroyed us. But that was it. If Maxie was here, he'd give you a kiss to the computer screen. That's yeah, Maxie's. I, I think say. that's Maxie's favorite moment too. He's a huge <laughs> meth fan. I think it was probably the greatest play in baseball history if they end up winning the game. Want to know something funny? I guess as a, a Met fan yourself, I'm a born again Met fan as of today. The best Met, I went to one Met game in the last like 10 years. It was, I guess, two seasons ago now when they came back in the bottom of the ninth against the Nats. I think Frazier hit a home run and then Conforto hit a walk off. They came back from down three runs. Like it was nuts. It felt like a playoff game for baseball. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, um, the Mets have had some good moments mixed in with all the heartbreak. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess this probably answers the next one. Um, I mean, this could not necessarily be sports, but it was kind of linked to it. I guess the best live event you've ever been to would probably have to be that catch, no? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, the, the other one that 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 kind of always sticks out in my mind was 1983, Michigan, Iowa. I went to visit the school in my senior year of high school, and Michigan won on a last-second field goal by Bob Bergeron. And that's when I decided it was the only school I wanted to go to. And uh, so that, that one sticks out as well. That's why you decided. I thought you were just locked in from, from day one with uh, all the. Well, it was that, that clinched it for me. I will (laughs) say the reason I went to Vanderbilt law school was because in 1980, the 1988 NCAA tournament, Vanderbilt was playing the university of Pittsburgh and uh, they had Charles Smith on that team. They were a great team and uh, Vanderbilt upset them. And that's when I decided to go visit the school and luckily got in. But if they don't beat Pitt, I, I never go there. No way. <laughs> I was trying to think of a scenario where like a next big life decision, who's going to, who's going to hit the shot for you to decide. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I got married after the Andy Chavez situation. <laughs> Did your name, is your son's name Andy? No, his name is, <laughs> uh, his name is Jack, Jack Benjamin, but I call him Jack Benny after the comedian. So so what is the most memorable broadcast call that comes to your mind that would give you chills? I, I know it now just from talking to you for a couple, a couple, well, I guess I know a couple minutes. It's probably, it's gotta be Al Michaels miracle. No, no, uh, it, it would have been until, you know, obviously now doing what I do and being involved with these clients, it, it's a tie for first. And I'm not just saying this cause they're my clients, but two most memorable that stick out are the Brian Anderson calling the Roy Halladay, no hitter. Hmm. And and that the last out and Dan Shulman uh, with Trendon Watford for the win with Vital when he was um, at Indiana, when they beat Kentucky about, uh, oh, just yeah, about yeah. seven years ago, Watford for the win. <laughs> I mean, just something special about like, you know, in these huge moments, you're watching a game and you know, all these people are watching and they're people that you represent that you've known for so long in the middle of it, getting the chance to really, shine it's it's a, it's a really that's a one of the best feelings about the job i mean that waffer does he scream like got it or something like there's like an no impact. he screamed watford for the win yeah and then vital started screaming at the same um, time that's like one of the best storm the court moments too i think in college basketball like that the indiana fans were like on the court within two seconds yeah that's, that's great that's why we love sports mm-hmm. i don't think people who don't love sports can't understand this sense of community Everybody that sees that, even if they're not an Indiana fan, they can't help but be wrapped up in the joy of the moment. It is. And, and I'm not going to lie. I'm not a big college basketball fan until March Madness. Like, I mean, that's just always how I've been. And I think a lot of people are like that in the sense of they watch March Madness because it's the madness. They want to see that end. They want to see the clutch, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, look, it, I, I, I really one of the best books I ever read, I, I recommend it to you guys called Rammer Jammer Yellow Hammer about Alabama football. This was written like 15 years ago. It's, it really explains why sports are like religion mm-hmm. and how you get this sense of community 
and the passion that goes along with it. It's just, he does a great job of really, really figuring out the roots of it. Um, next one. What sport in your opinion has the best fan base? I think it's college football. Hmm. I, I really do. I, I think you look at these people that have gone to the big house. They've, you know, every game has been sold out for 45 years. You look at the people in Alabama that go on the road, you look at death Valley, Clemson, you look at, Happy Valley and Penn State, Whiteout, Ohio State, Tennessee. I mean, this is just a crazy, crazy group of people. I mean, one of the biggest lies I ever told my wife, she <laughs> tells me to this day is I told her before we got married, I'm not that into sports anymore. I'm really, I'm just not that into it. I've kind of, I've scaled back. She <laughs> says to me, what a liar. I should, yeah. you know, could get the marriage annulled just on that alone. <laughs> well, <does she> know. <laughs> right. I do agree, though. College football is uh, there's nothing like it. I agree. I've always said, though, that there's really nothing. And I've never obviously been to a game, but European soccer, dude, the fan mm-hmm. base is just something else. I've always just it's obviously similar. You know, they got the chance in college football, similar to the chance that, that the soccer fans have. But I've always wanted to go to one of those games. Seems pretty remarkable. I believe it's football there. Oh, yeah. The football. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple more. Uh, a few good men or my cousin Vinny. Oh God. It's like uh, Sophie's choice. My God. <laughs> um, well, I, I, I'm going to, you know, drop a name here. I, I went to summer camp, Camp Birchwood, which is closed now for the last 40 years, but with uh, Mitchell Whitfield who played uh, the, the other defendant in my cousin Vinny. So I'll go with my cousin Vinny. Wait, plus who doesn't love Fred Gwynn? Coach Riley? Uh, no. In, in Mighty that, Ducks. He's, he's a, uh... Yeah, he might have been. I, I, I'm just thinking of in, in my cousin Vinny, though. He was the other defendant with, uh, oh, with Ralph Oh, Machin. oh, the defendant, not the – I thought you said lawyer. The two kids that got arrested. I thought yeah. you said lawyer. <laughs> That's all right. I was just um, saying, like, as a legend. Yeah, right. <laughs> Last one for you, Steve. Um, in your opinion, hardest position in sports? He just wants you to say hockey goalie. No, I mean, because it is. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I'm going to go off the board here and say <laughs> I apologize in advance here. I'm going to say hockey defenseman oh. because I, I watch these guys now and the game has changed so much in the last few years. Just thinking of like a guy like Girardi for the Rangers, you know, they're, they're playing that's, defense without that's pads. The, that's the first name you pull up is Dan Girardi. <laughs> yes. Yes. When you think of a hockey because, defenseman, Dan Girardi's the first guy. Cause the guy sacrificed his body as much as any defenseman I've ever seen in my life. That's true. Okay, and I've true. always respected that. He, you know, the guy's taking slap shots to the head. Come I'll on. never, I'll never forgive Dan Girardi for that game one turnover in overtime in the Stanley Cup final. That was terrible. I don't know if you remember. We, we lost four nothing though, so I mean, it wasn't really four one. We won, we won one game. Oh, did we win one game? Yeah. yeah. I was at the game before <laughs> that when they when they beat the Canadians to to go to the Stanley Cup finals. That was and sick. by the way, one quick thing, just this is maybe my I should have said this about my my best live sports moment probably actually was. The 1994 Game 7 Stanley Cup Finals against the Canucks that I was working for this guy, Art Kaminsky at the time, who was a legendary hockey agent. And I said, I really want to go to the game. And he said, all right, here's what you're going to do. Three o'clock, you're going to go over to MSG, wear a suit, and I'm going to give you an NHL pin. He gave me one of these NHL pins. And I went in the side entrance to MSG at three o'clock in the afternoon as if I worked there. And they let me in and I walked around the garden until seven o'clock, whatever the time the game started. And I was, I watched, I watched the Rangers win the Stanley cup. And now they're stopping Patrick Ewing at the door. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> they let me in, but they, they, they won't let Patrick Ewing in. That's so funny. That's a crazy story, too. That's really cool. It would never happen today. No. Cameras, everything. Nope, not a chance. Yeah. So, Steve, Kyle, thank you guys so much for just taking the time to be with us. But um, one last question before we, before we let you go. And, Kyle, you can answer this, too, because I'm very curious since, like, it's a different generation between the two of us. Um, what would you say, I guess, is the most important thing that's carried with you throughout growing up Jewish in, like, a Jewish area and how it's impacted you to today? Kyle, you want to take that one first? Sure. Uh, I don't know necessarily if it's something that is Jewish related, but definitely something that's been fostered through my experiences, whether it's at, you know, summer camp or just temple, anything, life, uh, finding people to be in your corner and having someone that will stand up for you and go to bat for you, I think is really important. And those are the people that are going to be with you when you need something, when you don't need something, when you're looking for a job, when you're looking for something, when, you know, you're not feeling right, you're feeling sad, you're feeling happy, just having someone in your corner and building those relationships. So kind of Jewish, maybe not, who knows? Well, the sleepaway camp thing, it, it relates because, I mean, anyone, I'm sure when you run into someone from Starlight, it's always like any, anything to help a Starlight kid, you know? When Sam Breslow, it's anything for Sam Breslow. Exactly, exactly. How about you, Steve? I think for me, it's, it's a couple things. The, the thing about Judaism that I really do love, especially as I've gotten more into it, as I've gotten older, is this idea about, I mean, really learning and arguing and debating things. Not, not to argue, but debating in the Talmud, I think it says debating for the sake of heaven. And, you know, just trying to get to the best answer and, and the right, you know, if there is a right answer, but just not being afraid to be confrontational in the service of what's the best idea. And I, I think the other thing, and again, it may not be a Jewish thing, but growing up down in the five towns in the 80s, I said this, all, I don't know one person from my high school friend group or even extended friend group, camp friends, I'm still friends with all the guys in my bunk and um, college, et cetera, that isn't successful. There's just a sense of expectation that I think all of our parents put upon us. I remember if you graduate high school and you get into Michigan or whatever college you get into, nobody's throwing you a party. That's what you're supposed to do. And when you graduated college and for those of us that went to graduate school, great. That's what you're supposed to do also. When you graduate that and you have to take the bar exam or whatever else it is and you pass, no party. That's what you're supposed to do. And so I think this high bar that we have as a community, at least the one, the community I grew up in, it's, it's a cultural thing. And if you don't do that, you're the abnormal one. I think it's very hard for people who don't grow up in that culture. So I think guys like us who like Johnny growing up in Syosset or me, Kyle, you know, Jericho, we had it easy. We were surrounded by people that just did the right thing. And very few people stepped off that track. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And I was, I was going to make a joke, but that was such a good answer. I was going to say like, we, last year, Justin and I didn't even have graduation because it was, that's what it was supposed to be. You know? No, there, there you go. But like, it's, cause COVID canceled it, but really bad joke. And I regret saying it, <laughs> but, uh, thank you guys so much. Seriously. This was awesome. And, um, you know, definitely stay in touch. And Steve, if you have any more ideas to pitch to us, we'll exchange through email. Absolutely. Great meeting you guys. And Kyle, thanks for setting it up. Really good luck with everything guys. Thanks so much, thank Steve. You. We appreciate it. You too.
What's up, everybody? Welcome back. We hope you guys really enjoyed that interview with Steve Hers. He's amazing. We actually got the time to talk to him after the interview for like five minutes after, and um, he just gave us some pointers. I feel like we should hire him at this point. It's pretty funny, but um, he was amazing. We hope you guys enjoyed that. I was crying at the whole like Shark Tank thing when he was like pitching us the, the Kiddish the Kiddish Cup. I actually wrote that one down. I think, dude, we should have like some kind of Jewish hockey tournament or something, a locker room tournament called the Kiddish Cup. I think it's oh, dude, sometimes oh, it's like down the road we'll for sure have like locker room sponsored Jewish tournaments, like guaranteed. You think so? It'd be like like our own like little mini Maccabee games. Oh, without a doubt. It'd be like, no, no, no. It'd be like a summer camp theme. You could play all summer camp games. It'd be like um, the Kiddish bean Cup. Uh, yeah, bean bags. What the fuck are you talking about? Bean bags. Um, <laughs> Um, what's it, um, uh, where you, you're in the, the sack sack races. Oh, ha- hack, not hacky sack. Yeah. See, that's what I was going to say first. No, hack- potato, potato race, potato race, potato race, potato sack. Yes. Potato, potato sack. sack. Is that what it's called? Are we sure? Uh, we'll see. We'll clarify. Yeah. Someone will DM us. You guys are idiots or something. Who knows? Yeah. Right. But yeah, dude, Steve is awesome. And, and I also want to shout out Kyle, uh, Margolis. I messed up his last name twice. Margolis for uh, setting that up. That was really cool. I mean, it, that's what the whole thing is about, man. That's what our podcast is about. Just a very small world. Like Kyle reached out to us to have his boss come on the podcast. And like, little do we know, we have so many different connections. Like it was just a really cool thing, you know, cool experience. Yeah, but no, uh, It was definitely interesting to see, uh, to see Steve's, you know, side of you and definitely um, Kyle's side of you as well, because it was, um, it was interesting. We, we never really have that many guests on or like people sitting in on our interview. So it was definitely mm-hmm. cool to see his uh, perspective after when we were talking to him. Hundred percent. I also want to take a second to talk about our beautiful sponsor, Mindset Wellness CBD. They are a brand new full spectrum CBD company infused with terpenes and vitamins that can provide all natural anxiety relief. They have several different mindsets, including happy, calm, focused, health, beauty, and rest, which is what I'm actually holding right here. I'm holding the rest gummies, which I will be taking tonight because I'm one of those people that cannot share a bed with someone. I'm staying at my girlfriend's house tonight. So I'll be popping two of these bad boys so I get a beautiful night's sleep. I mean, I, I can't share a bed to save my life. Like I, I always end up falling asleep at 3 a.m. and I wake up at like 8.30 and I hate my life. Yeah. Are you one of those people? No, I mean, I definitely haven't had an issue like sleeping with people. Um, Like I just need like my side of the bed. Yeah. Like I'm good. We talked about this before. Like I'm good with like the whole cuddle session, all that stuff. But like when it's time for good old, good old Cappy to fall asleep, like get the fuck off me. I'm rolling over. I'm falling asleep. Give me the arm back. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's my main problem though. Is I need to be cold. You know what I mean? You need to be cold. Yeah, I like. That's true. Yeah, if yeah. you're sweaty. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Or just like oh. other people's body heat, body temperature. Exactly. On that note, use code LOCKA10 for ten percent off plus free shipping for Mindset Wellness CBD. Check them out on Instagram at Mindset Wellness CBD. Cappy, any final thoughts? Or you good? Nope, that's it. Um, hope everybody has a phenomenal weekend. Um, shout out to uh, the boys and the Americans. I'm staying back this weekend. Just getting back from that injury, and I um, hope they get a good. Uh, three wins so i'm excited to watch shout out to the americans yes, love you guys americans. all the americans <laughs> I don't, is that like that's like not clear because like we are american like exactly your, your teammates are called the americans for people who don't know it's fun. <laughs> see you guys shout out to the americans <laughs> <Later. All right. laughs>